Hi, welcome to Health Trust Clinical Services Candid Conversations. This is a conversation series where we highlight clinicians, physicians, and supply chain leaders who are innovating, caring for those in need, and working to improve human life. Over the next couple of weeks, we'll be interviewing our Health Trust Clinical Warriors. Clinical warriors are those who have demonstrated sacrifice and courage during this pandemic. Please visit healthtrustpg.com and send us submissions for clinical warriors you would like to recognize. In this conversation, we talk with Bree O'Neill, Inpatient Services Nurse Director, and Michelle Burwell, Med Surge Telemetry Nurse Manager at TriStar Medical Center in Hendersonville, Tennessee. They are both working on the front lines of this COVID pandemic. Well, thank you so much for joining the call, Bree and Michelle. Could you guys start with just um, introducing yourself and your role? Sure. I am Bree O'Neill. I am the Director of Inpatient Services here at Hendersonville Medical Center. Um, that um, role involves me being the director over the medical surgical team, um, both on our third floor and our second floor, our orthopedic team on our second floor, and then our CCU services um, here at Hendersonville. I am Michelle Burwell. I'm the manager here on the third floor, our medical surgical telemetry unit. I have been here with Hendersonville Hospital for 14 years. I just celebrated my anniversary, so I'm very happy to do that. Congrats. Hendersonville is in Sumner County, and Sumner County has actually had quite a few um, people diagnosed with COVID. Um, and had a lot of hospitalizations in that general area. Um, have you guys seen that at your hospital? Have you seen a lot of admissions of COVID patients? We have. Um, we pretty much started, I'd say, right at the beginning of March, starting to see some of these COVIDs come in. Um, and, you know, some of them were from the community. From Some were from other facilities. Um, but we did definitely get a, a pretty big influx. I think at one point we had um, well over 40 patients um, that were either rule outs or positive COVID patients. So, um, and that was like throughout the house. Um, wow. We definitely had a, wow. a, a, a pretty good influx of them. So that is, that is quite a few patients. So I understand that you know, it's not like we were sitting here waiting for this pandemic to come, but it sounds like you guys were pretty well prepared um, to just move into action. Can you kind of tell me a little bit about that? So immediately um, when we kind of knew that this was coming, um, I'd say even at the end of kind of towards the end of February, um, our senior leader group, um, they were very proactive in making sure that we got our incident command together and we started um, doing daily huddles and making sure that we had everything in place in case we surged. And of course, the original numbers of what we were going to surge at um, were very, very high. And so we were kind of preparing for the worst and hoping for the best. And right. um, that, I think, um, was a good thing because we really were prepared for a lot more than what we got. And thankfully we, we never went up to those really high numbers that were predicted. Um, some of the preparation work though were, you know, about alternate care areas and figuring out how we could cohort our, um, 
our COVID patients on one unit and then hopefully keep all of our other patients on another so that they wouldn't be mixing together basically and 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 being uh i guess you could say kind of cross-contaminating um right and then of course all 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 the supply and ppe things that was a huge um hurdle and making sure that we were conserving as best that we could so that we can make it through and so far we've done a really good job with that i think too um we've had a really good team with our supply chain making sure that um we have you know, clinical practices in place that let us reuse when we can, when it's safe, and, you know, knowing when we need to uh, get rid of our PPE and, and get new once, um, you know, once it's been used enough, so. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's wonderful. It sounds like you guys really were able to move into action really quickly. Um, and now, I, I want to make sure I didn't miss this. Are you both nurses by training? We are, yes. Okay, I am too. So it's been a while though, um, but that that's awesome. I kind of wanted to know, you know, what what really made you want to be a nurse, and and did you expect to ever face something like this in your nursing career? This is Michelle. Absolutely not. I um, <laughs> I got into nursing, I guess because of my my family and helping them out as they were getting elderly. And then when I started, I started out as an LPN and went back and got my RN. And I just started becoming really attached to patients, which, you know, can be kind of hard at times, but it's just mm -hmm. what I do and it's what I like to do. And I just never thought, you know, going through this, I remember when Bree was preparing us and we were scared. Bree did a great job of, of huddling with us every single day. And she would prepare us. And I remember she sat us down and she said, okay, Michelle, how long have you been here? And I said, you know, 13 years, 14 years. And she said, how many C. diff rooms have you been in? And I said, can't count them. How many um, MRSA rooms have you been in? I have no idea. And she said, have you ever picked that up? And I said, no, I have not. So it really instilled confidence in me to be able to lead this group because they were scared and I was scared too. Right. And, right. I feel, and the day that it actually, I kind of feel like it happened that we surged, I've seen terrified looks on faces. Um, mm -hmm. I was scared myself, but I've seen a team come together, including physicians, EBS, our leaders, our senior leaders, and we just held each other up, and so far we've gotten through it. I don't, I, you know, I, I think back about what kind of made me want to be a nurse. I, I guess it was just kind of always in me that I would definitely go into healthcare. Originally, I, um, I didn't know if I wanted to be a doctor or a nurse practitioner, or I just didn't know. I really never thought about being in like the hospital operations side of things, to be honest with you. And that, but that's kind of where my career ended up going. And, um, but, you know, ultimately for me, it's just always been about the patients and the fact that I really enjoy um, making sure that not only the patients, but also the staff have everything that they need. And that in my role is, you know, I've always had the um, the saying that if I take care of the staff, the staff will take care of the patients. 
And so, um, you know, when we kind of going back to what Michelle said, when we had this huge influx of patients, we, we had one, one hour in a day where we got 20 patients back to back to back on one unit. It was our COVID unit. And, um, that was, it was intense. But like she said, um, everybody just did such a great job and just kind of came together. And, um, you know, it was just all about, okay, we've got all these patients and we're going to, we're going to go and assess them and we're going to, we're going to take care of them because they're ill and that's what we do. Um, and, you know, one thing I'm really proud about for Hendersonville in general is although we've had a huge um, influx of patients, we've had a very low exposure rate and we've had even lower actual nursing staff or any, any staff, any healthcare staff actually contracting COVID. And so obviously, you know, if you're using, um, if you're using the right precautions, then this is just like anything else. As long as you're using the right precautions and being, being very careful, then you can take care of these patients without, without getting, catching the, disease so yeah that's um thank you for saying that that is that is uh exactly right and I, you know i i love how vulnerable you guys talked about you know i think we just think well it's your job you just go in there and you do it and i know that i've been faced with a couple things that i was definitely scared walking in but there, it was never a question of if i was going to walk in or not and take care of the patient of course I was going to do that, but I was still scared. And I think that's really what makes you guys heroes because, you know, it, it's not absent fear. It's just that you guys went anyway. And I think that that is what we really just so appreciate everything that you're doing. Also love what you said, Bree, about, you know, you haven't had a lot of your staff that has actually been diagnosed. And um, I'm, I'm hoping that you have had all the things that you need to take care of your, your patients how have you been able to educate your teams? I mean, I feel like the we're the we're on this side, we're trying to write up a lot of guidance for all of our teams on, okay, now do this, or this is what this is what the FDA has come out now. This is how the CDC has come out as we've learned more all together as a nation about this virus. How have you been able to keep your teams updated with the newest information and guidance? So quite honestly, <laughs> in the beginning days, it was really hard because it was such a fluid situation. In the morning, we would have direction, and then that direction would change in the afternoon. Um, so I was doing even more than one huddle on some days because of the fact that the, the, the information that was coming out from like the CDC and from our corporate and division offices you know, they would get new information and it was better information. And so we'd have to go with that and it would change what we were doing. And so um, our biggest thing, I think, honestly, that has saved us is um, we use an app called GroupMe and it is um, a platform that we basically put all of our nurses on there based on the different groups or units that they're on. And I can um, create videos and link in my videos into GroupMe. And so I was actually doing these huddles, like just holding my phone and make, doing a huddle um, and giving them all this information. And then I'd post it on GroupMe and it was right there at their fingertips on their smartphones. And so 
that was really how we kept everybody up to date. Um, there was really no other way to do it because an email, I mean, nobody had time to check email because things were just so crazy busy. Um, right. and, and being over, you know, so many different departments, I couldn't, I couldn't run back and forth between the departments to physically do the huddles in every location. And so the grooming app, um, it kind of really saved us, to be honest with you. And I think um, several other of our departments have actually started group me pages now for their departments because they realize, like, wow, like, I don't know how else I'm going to get all this information out to everybody. So, yeah, that's right. You know, that and one of the things you're speaking about is maybe you guys didn't invent group me, but the innovation in process, the innovation actually even in equipment. Have you guys seen um, innovation in your areas where your nurses, your physicians, your respiratory therapists have come up with new ideas to help either the nursing staff or the patients through this um, COVID-19 pandemic? For sure. Uh, one thing that just comes to mind, we, you know, intubating patients and, and getting them on ventilators, that um, makes COVID become aerosolized in the air. And so um, it uh, makes it a huge risk for the person who's intubating and the people around in, in those situations. So one of our nurses um, actually, and I think she found this on the internet, but she actually used some piping, like, C, um, what is it, CVC piping or something, or PV, PVC, PVC, yeah, PVC, PVC piping. Yeah. And she created like this hood that you can put plastic, like see-through plastic over. And so it would keep all that droplet and that aerosolized COVID like up under this hood while the doctor or the respiratory therapist was intubating patients. And so that I thought was really creative and you know, very, it's something that would protect all of the staff and, and um, the physicians, which was really great. I'm trying to sit here and think of something else. Um, you know, little no, things. Great. Little things that we did were like, we ended up putting a lot of hooks in our rooms to help hang up our gowns um, in our rooms so that if they weren't soiled, then, then they were actually hung up so they could be reused so that we wouldn't be wasting PPE. Um, I know one thing as simple as just doing AccuChecks on your positive COVID patients. We made up little um, baggies of your lancets and everything that they needed to draw the um, do the blood sugars because you know that's every four hours or even more often than that. Right. We would make little packets and put it in the positive rooms for those nurses as to not have to carry all that in their pockets, go in when they're all gowned up. Um, they've learned to do a lot of clustering of care, and they've done a great job with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we basically yeah. kind of came up with a staffing model that um, you would have a COVID nurse that uh, was pretty much gowned up most of the day, and they were just going from room to room to room, but then you'd also have like a medication assistant um, and that medication assistant was another nurse that could pull medicines for you um, and just kind of go and grab things that you may need um, for your rooms and then they could hand it off to you at the door. Um, and that was honestly, I think, a lifesaver in, in the way that we, it was, it was really just changing like your whole care model, honestly, because normally we have like 
a nurse and a tech and, and they, you know, they would just go to their rooms and once they, they would go in and out um, constantly um, and they wouldn't necessarily um, always have to be gowned up. But here in the COVID world, you always have to be gowned up and you couldn't go anywhere else in the hospital. So you just go from, you know, through your rooms and just keep rotating like that. So it was very, very interesting how the care model changed for nursing for sure. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I'm thinking about, uh, I don't know that if, if you haven't actually put on a gown and gloves and goggles and mask, and <laughs> I'm sure I forgot something, um, all the different pieces, that takes a minute. You know, that's not something that you um, can just put on in two seconds, especially when you're seeing several patients. So I'm sure that was helpful. Plus, it takes away your pockets. Nurses well, need their pockets. Yeah. <laughs> so that's well, a great and, idea to put things in bags. That's awesome. Yeah. And, you know, another thing about all that PPE is you sweat like the dickens. I mean, <laughs> it is crazy. We would, we, I mean, that day when we got those 20 patients, I was gowned up and everything because I was helping them get in. And I remember I only did that for like an hour because, that was the, about the time frame that it took for them to all get up here. And um, I remember taking it all off after the fact, and I was just literally beads of sweat, like, pouring off of me. It was just so hot. But Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, we'll bring back the 1980s sweatbands. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be yeah. hearing them. <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. I love that. I love how you speak about all the innovation. Um, and, and, processes and ways that you communicate and engage your teams all of those things I wonder how much and I, I'll put this out to both of you how much do you think a lot of this will stay the same not necessarily hopefully not the um, wearing uh, the gowns and gloves and mask all day long not those things but some of these processes of maybe the group me um, app and or maybe trying to think of more efficient ways just I remember a long time ago as a nurse how many times I would forget one item and have to run back and forth um, whenever I was putting in a catheter or or checking or do, putting in an IV things like that a lot of these things that you guys are doing have you thought about keeping them or maintaining them or is that too are we not are we not that far in the process yet no, I definitely think a lot of the things that we've learned through this process, we will, you know, it's made us better and it's made us, um, it, it's made us see that there's more, there's more ways to skin a cat than just the one way, you know, and so um, I think that a lot of it will stay. Um, the group me was something we already had in place beforehand, but we weren't necessarily doing the online huddles all the time like we do now. Um like the video huddle. So that'll, I think we'll continue doing that. Um, hopefully not two and three times a day, but we'll definitely do them <laughs> pretty frequently. Um, you know, another thing I didn't really think about, but going back to the staffing piece is it really brought together, we had to do a lot of cross training with um, other departments that basically closed down, like our same day surgery partners and our ORs and stuff like that. And, um, you know, it, it kind of showed us how deep our pockets were in regards to the resources that we have throughout our, mm -hmm. our own hospital. And so, you know, I think that has also um, been a benefit in regards to knowing, okay, if I had to, like, I now have some people trained that I could pull here and there 
Um, of course, we don't want to have to continue to do that because that's their home. You know, they want to be in their home department. Mm -hmm. But it does show like we do have additional resources that we really hadn't tapped into before. So. Um, oh, yeah, I could, that. I could definitely foresee that continuing on in the future as needed. So. Oh, yeah, definitely. So elective procedures and opening those back up since you just mentioned that, you know, now it feels like our hospitals are starting to transition to this new world and trying to figure out this new world where honestly, we're going to have to take care of COVID patients and have all of our normal operations open. People can't keep waiting for um, the word elective. <laughs> that's that's not necessarily true sometimes, really. A lot of these patients need to have these procedures done that they've been waiting on. Um, how do you feel about that, and how are your hospitals getting prepared? So, I mean, I'm kind of, I have the mindset of I'm ready for it because I want to see what's going to happen. I kind of think the longer we delay opening everything up, um, the longer we're just kind of delaying the inevitable. We know that once we open back up, um, we're going to surge some, but I don't think it's necessarily going to just be COVID surge. I think it's just going to be surge in general, like just with regular patients, because a lot of people have been staying at home, even though they would normally come to the hospital and getting sicker and sicker. Um, and we're already seeing that. We're seeing sicker patients now than we did before um, COVID. And they don't have anything to do with COVID, like their diagnosis doesn't. It's just people that didn't necessarily want to come to the hospital because they were trying to stay away and do what they were told and just, you know, social distance. Um, but we are definitely doing a lot of preparation around how to keep everybody safe. Um, making sure that we're still doing the screenings at the doors, like when we do open up for visitors. We don't have a date yet for when we're going to be doing that, but it's coming. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And so we're doing temperature checks and those type of things at the front door and all of our entry points. Um, we are also even talking about um, potentially screening patients, like some of our outpatient appointments that maybe come in for blood work or radiology, like screening them by phone while they're in the parking lot. Um, and then once we screen them and, and find out, okay, they haven't been around anybody with COVID, they don't, they don't have any symptoms, then, you know, we'll let them come in and do their appointment um, once that screening has taken place. So lots of Lots more innovation, I would say, and, and just thing, doing things differently in order to try to keep not only our patients, but our staff and the community safe. Anything else? Absolutely. You know, I, I do kind of feel, you know, when this all started or a couple of weeks back, um, it did start to feel like it was overwhelming. And it's amazing to see how our nursing leadership and our physicians and our administrators came together and took that chaos and put it back into a structure to where now it feels like um, we're starting to figure out how to manage that chaos and we have a system. And of course, as you know how the world goes, now we need to reopen. So it feels really chaotic again. And so we're where we're trying to figure it out, you know, are we going to measure temperatures in cars? Are we going to, um, how are we, who are we going to let to come into the hospital? How are, are we going to make sure they all have masks on? Is, you know, all of these different things that we have to make decisions on. So I can, I can feel that chaos a little bit. 
But what I'm assured is by the people that have already solved all these problems and created all of this innovation, I know that you guys are doing amazing work, um, spending long hours, and even after you go home, thinking about how we can keep the community safe. And we are so thankful for that self-sacrificing behavior, honestly, that our nurses have every every single day and our physicians, our respiratory therapists, you know, have had every single day, um, even our cleaning staff that have come in and put themselves at risk. We're just so thankful for that. And so that's why we wanted to call um, you guys are our warriors. And we're we as health trust, you know, we really think of ourselves as trying to make sure that you guys have the supplies to go into this battle safe. Um, and take care of these patients. So thank you for all you're doing. For supporting us. Oh, gosh, we're trying. We're trying so hard. We feel the same way. The second we put out information, we have to, the FDA comes out with something else, and we have to update it 10 minutes later, and we're feeling that chaos too, but definitely not like taking the risks that you guys are taking for us, and we appreciate that. I want to make sure we're sending a message of hope, and I really have loved um, the messages that really you guys have been able to deliver to your colleagues and peers. So one of the big reasons we did this was we just wanted to hear from the front lines that message of hope across that we could share across all of their hospitals. We have 1,600 hospitals in our membership, um, including, of course, yours. And so what if you could give a message to the front lines of all of your colleagues, your um uh, other nurses, other physicians, other respiratory therapists, what would that message of hope be? Probably that one thing that I told the staff last week is, or I put it in one of our huddles, is that, you know, like I said, I've been here for a long time and I've never seen teamwork like I've seen it now. And I don't, you know, things are going to change. It's going to be another, you were talking about reopening. There's a level of fear of reopening, like there was a level of fear when we searched. And I think that at this point, what I've seen and what I've learned in this entire hospital, from the senior leaders to the leadership, um, you know, to, to, to everyone, that we can depend on each other and Yes, we're going to be scared and things are going to happen, but that's when we're just going to have to lift each other up. And I just ask that other colleagues continue to do that. It's going to be some really tough, dark days and scary times. And there's going to be patients that don't have visitors and they miss their family. And I've seen nurses and techs come up with the most creative things to do to communicate with these families and to just give those patients a little bit of hope. And that's what will continue to get you through. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. I would just say, um, you know, we have surged in a lot of our hospitals um, so far, and we've proven that we can handle this and um, that we can do it in a safe manner. Um, we can do it um, while still protecting ourselves and our families. Um, and so, you know, we just got to keep keep to the basics. And, you know, the basics are using the proper PPE and hand washing and, um, 
and just being smart about the care that we're providing. Um, and if we keep doing that, um, like we've already done, then we're going to get through anything. So. Yeah, that's right. And I do want to, Michelle, I want to elaborate on one thing you said um, before we go. You know, that has been something that I think has been the hardest for our nurses and respiratory therapists is the fact that these patients can't have visitors. And I do think that um, our, you know, as you continue, as we continue to reopen our hospitals, you know, also patients, it's possible that patients that typically would have visitors also won't be able to have visitors, you know, and that will be, I think that's hard for us um, because most nurses went into our role because we care about people and we care about our families, we care about our community, our friends. And it's, I think that's been the piece that I've heard our nurses talk about the most is how much it, they, they're taking care of the patient, but how much it bothers them that they don't have um, that connection with their families and they're alone most of the day. And we have to conserve PPE to keep us safe so that we can continue to take care of patients. So we can't be in the room all day. Could you maybe expand what are some of the innovations that you have seen where because um, I think a lot of our other hospitals would love to hear these too. And I think we need to keep thinking about these things. How, how, have we, how have we helped our patients to feel that human connection? So one thing that I know that happened the other day was one of our bed alarms went off. And the nurse tech ran into the room and she thought, why is the bed alarm going off? This patient hasn't been up all day. They've been very compliant. They're alert and oriented. And she goes in and he's standing at the window and she's like what are you doing and he's like my girlfriend's outside and she was like okay well hang on so our windows are tinted on our hospital so unfortunately she couldn't see him but he could see her and he had her on the phone and they were facetiming each other but they just wanted to have a visual of each other and so they turned the flashlight on, on his phone, and he shone the flashlight out to the um, friend who was in our parking lot, and she put her hand over her heart and said, oh my goodness, I see you, I see you, there you are. And he kept you know doing his flashlight, and she could see that, so they made a huge connection. And then he turns around to our tech and says, hey, you're never too old to be in love. And this gentleman oh was in I mean, That's it's awesome. just the little things like that that make it okay. Um, another thing that we've done is we bought posters that we are making, like, signs and get well wishes. We're putting it in their rooms. We've had a lot of the communities, some of the um, schools and some of the churches, the kids have made get well cards. They've picked out their favorite Bible verses, and we try to continually make sure that every patient has one of those posted in their room, if appropriate. Right. We have um, That's awesome. on our um, TVs, we have the smart TVs in our rooms, and we've been able to actually FaceTime on the TVs with some family members. So that's been great. Oh, um, that's awesome. Another thing that I was thinking about that we did, too, as far as personal belongings, because a lot of the patients come in not knowing they're going to get admitted, and they don't have anything with them. 
So we have screeners at the front door, and if anyone needs anything, if they want anything, whether it be clothes, a puzzle, their favorite drink, we have patient belonging bags down at the screeners, and their family members come, and they drop it off, and they secure it in a bag, and we go get it and bring it into them. You know, it's the little things like that. It doesn't sound like a lot, but it it does. It means a lot to it the no, it does sound like a lot. I think you've got to touch there. It's it's really easy to get down when you're you don't have any human connection and 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 honestly for our bodies to heal during that time. So Absolutely. that is awesome. That is awesome. Well, thank you so much. I know you have a lot on your plate, a lot to do today, um, and we are so appreciative that you spent this time with us, um, especially around ten thirty, which I know is one of the busiest times in the hospital. So. Thank you so much. We're so proud of you. You're definitely um, one of our heroes and our clinical warriors. And um, we just hope that we can continue to support you guys and let us know what we can do. But thank you. Thank you Absolutely. so much. Absolutely. Thank you guys for all you're doing too. Please visit healthtrustpg.com and send us submissions for clinical warriors you would like to recognize.